fruits are the best part. It's the better offering. He says, honor the Lord with your wealth and the best part of everything you produce. In other words, what you produce, if it's, if it's, if it's produced with the right spirit, God says, honor me with it. Honor me with the best part of your life. In other words, when I'm excelling in my gifts, when I'm excelling at what I produce, I am honoring God with the best part of me. There's not a, there's not a person in here that does not have the Spirit of God that is not able to produce something by the Spirit of God. You have the Spirit of God living within you and whatever it is that you produce, you can produce something better, something excellent. You can produce a better gift, a better ministry. What is it that you are producing? I wrote this down on the little corner of my sheet. Get an alignment and get an assignment. Some of us are out of alignment because we don't have an assignment. How many of you guys have said, well, what can I do for the church? You know, there's people sitting in here waiting to be helped in ministry, waiting to be, uh, uh, waiting to be assisted in ministry. What is my assignment? Well, I just give tithes to their offering. I just give a ministry a gift. No, the Bible says to that there's a ministry of helps and there's a ministry of service and there's all kinds of gifts. But God wants the best part of you. He wants the best part of you. Get an assignment. Don't be out of alignment. I don't want to be out of alignment. Luke chapter 10 verse 41. We know this familiar story. The Bible says that Jesus was invited to the house of Martha. It was Martha's house. So Martha should have been the one doing all the serving. But the Lord answered her and said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen the best part, and it will not be taken away from us, from her. You know, a lot of times, especially in ministry, or just in general, maybe at your employee, maybe your office, you always compare what you do with other people. Well, I do this, I, I, the boss don't even know what I do. Right? They don't even pay me for what I do. I don't get paid for that. And here is Martha comparing her work with Mary. Mary, she just wanted to sit in Bible study. She just wanted to be in the worship service. Mary just wanted to be studying, 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 worshiping, worshiping, conference, conference, conference. And Jesus said, leave her alone. She has chosen the best part and it will not take, no one will take it from her. So what it is that you do, nothing, no one can take it from you if you've chosen the best part. James read it last week in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Not everybody has the same function. Not everybody has the same function in ministry. Find your function and do it with the best part. Notice, and do it with the best of your ability. Do it with the best of you with your, of your ability. Because God has an assignment for each and every one of us. You know, I was thinking about Deuteronomy chapter 8, and we don't have time to read it, but I'm going to make a couple emphasis, and we don't have it on the screen, so forget it. But in Deuteronomy chapter 8, God talks about the work of your hands, the work of your hands, the work of your hands. If you read the chapter, the Bible says, I will bless the work of your hands, the work of your hands. And I started looking at the word, the work of your hands. And the Bible says real quickly, they, they don't have these verses up there, but the Bible says, 
Lift up your hands in the sanctuary. Go ahead and lift up your hands in the sanctuary. Why do we lift up our hands? Because it's a sign of surrender. It's a sign of victory. It's a sign of worship. It's a sign of praise. Right? Lift up your hands in the sanctuary. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 2.8, I desire that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without doubting. But then God says in Deuteronomy 8, he says, my power and my... That my power and my might have given you the ability to produce wealth. But he says, if you forget the Lord, then you begin to convince yourself and say to yourself, my own power and my own hand have given me this wealth. Because we become effective at what we do. But he says, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee the power to gain wealth. So God says, now I've given you those hands to gain wealth. I've given you those hands to put your hand for excellence. I've given you that power. I've given you that knowledge. I've given you that intellect to gain wealth or to gain uh, a prosperity, whatever it is that you do, to the best of your ability. He says, but don't you forget that when you've been blessed, who's blessed you? You know that there's some actors and, and, and models who, who just make a $50,000 check by just showing their hands. Take a picture. It's worth $50,000. Could you imagine? Some young girl just showed her hands in a magazine for a ring, and she made $50,000 because that hand. I want hands like that. <laughs> Stop working out your hands, Kayla. Those chubby little fingers. Do some squats. Uh, how do you work? <laughs> I mean, could you imagine? Now, if I show you my feet, the Bible says beautiful are the feet of those who proclaim the gospel. If I show you my feet, 100,000. <laughs> Any takers, write me a check. Sponsor my feet right now. Hello. I'm just being funny. But the Bible says when you look at the work of your hands, you know the hands were very important in the Bible. Abraham made a covenant with his servant and said, do not find a daughter from my wife, from my son Isaac among the people here. Go out to my own family and my own countrymen. He says, and swear to me by the oath of a hand, come put your hand under my thigh. Now that would be pretty crazy if I told you, come here, we're going to make a covenant. We're going to be covenant brothers. Come put your hand under my thigh. You think, what's wrong with you? You're violating my space. But it was powerful because it signified the future prosperity and posterity of future generations. When you made a hand covenant... To that person, you vow to that person to keep your word. And so the hand gesture was very powerful. You know, Abraham made the same covenant with Melchizedek. After that very same covenant, the Bible says that God added to Abraham when Abraham gave to Melchizedek. The Bible says after that, Abraham exalted Abraham. God exalted Abraham. And I believe that God is at work in us. For those who come from nothing, from those who don't feel like they can't accomplish much, if God's spirit is living inside of you, the Bible says that he is exceedingly and abundantly able to do all that you can think or imagine. God wants to bless you above your head. Some of us have married above us. That's what the Bible says. I want to bless you so far that you can even think or imagine. Well, I don't think I could ever do that. 
I don't think that God wants us to do that. Stop limiting your thinking and start keeping God at the front hold of your mind and say, Lord God, what can I do? What can I do for you? He is at work in us. Get your ask up. A-S-K. Sometimes we speak too fast and we get the words all psst. It's get your ask up. Stop limiting your ask and ask God, Lord God, I want to be blessed exceedingly and abundantly above all that I could ever think or ask. There are some things in your future that you have not asked for. There are some things in your future that you have not thought of. So go ahead and don't limit your thinking and allow God to bless you for whatever he has in your future. For whatever he has in your future. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, they have it. He says, so we have urged Titus to encourage your giving in the first place. You know what Titus means? Because Paul was going through a hard time. He was in prison and out of prison. And he was going through this, you know, through all these trials. And he says, I'm encouraged by the coming of Titus. You ever read that verse in there? I'm encouraged by the coming of Titus. You know why? Because Titus was an encourager. And you know what Titus' names mean? Titus' names mean you can make it. In other words, he was coming to Paul's assistance to remind Paul, you're going to make it. I don't know if you're going to go to prison or not, but you can make it. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. I can go without, I can be in prosperity, and I can be in poverty. He says, I can be in abundance or I can be in lack. But regardless, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And he says, so we have urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Now, we all know, according to Hebrews chapter 12, that giving is a ministry. Since you excel in so many ways, this is in the New Living Translation, in your faith. Some of us excel at faith. We have a great ministry at faith. Notice your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us. Why does it say USC? Some people don't believe me, but sometimes when you copy and paste these from the, from the Bible app, it'll add a word or take a word, so that way it's from us. I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. Notice I'm not commanding you to do this, but I am testing you how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of other churches. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that by his poverty he could make many rich. Now notice what he says. I am not commanding you to do this. Now, we know that in the book of 2 Timothy, the Bible says to command those who are rich not to trust in uncertain riches, but be ready and willing to share with others. That's not a contradiction. Paul said, I'm not commanding this specific church to give, but I'm urging you to excel in this act of giving and I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of other churches. Now, let me tell you something. This church has passed the test. We've passed the test not just once, not just twice. God has tested us time and time and time again. And every time we've stood up to the test, I don't know if we've passed the test, but we've gotten through the test. I don't know if we passed it with an A+, plus, but we have gotten through the test. There is not one need this ministry has been 
has had a shortcoming in because God has blessed us exceedingly and abundantly over above all. And the Bible says to test how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of other churches. Now, I'm not comparing our ministry with other churches. I'm pretty nosy. I look around. I watch. I observe different things. But there ain't a lot of ministry taking places in a lot of ministries like what we do here. There's not a lot of giving that comes to this ministry and it just doesn't come in. It comes in and it goes out. Just this last week, Walmart gave to us, I would say at approximately at least probably a high number would be at least $8,000 of donations that they weren't able to sell. They gave them to the rock. Why did they give them to the rock? Because they know we're just going to go right back out and give them. Now, if you see me on the side of the road selling notebooks and pencils and paper, I won't sell paper. Paper is a high commodity for me. I use a lot of it. But, but they gave us to us. Did you guys see the semi-load of truck that we got last couple of weeks ago? We, within 30 minutes, as, as soon as they unloaded it, we unloaded it. We gave it away. And, and, and so many things. I don't think that we, our church has, has lacked an eagerness to give to this community. We've given to this community above measure. And I believe that every time we give, God is taking notice. People are taking notice. Now, we don't do it because people watch us. We just do it because God has given it to us. I was blessed with Pastor Matthew Barnett at the Dream Center, every church in the Los Angeles area. He lives about five minutes of hour to walk from my uncle's house to the Dream Center. I can make it in 10 minutes. The lines wrapped around the cars for over, I think he said, a hundred and some days during the pandemic. Every day they were giving out food. He says, I don't even know where all this stuff is coming from. We usually do it once a month, the drive through But every day, every day, every day, semi-load after semi-load, just giving out food, just giving out food. And never once that they try to shut them down except for when they was rioting in the streets and a ministry like that God blesses he puts a stunt print on that ministry hold nothing back because God will never hold nothing back from you you know the word work in the Hebrew is the word avoda the Bible says that he will bless the work of your hands. You know, the, work, the word avoda in the Hebrew is the word worship. When you go to work, do you think of you're going to church? You don't. You go to church on Sundays. But Monday to Friday, when you go to work, when you type in on your computer, that's the work, that's, that's the work of your hands. That's the worship of your hands. If you're working with the jackhammer, whatever it is that you do, maybe you don't work with your hands. But it's worship. It's avoda, worship. It's a work of service. It's worship service. It's what you do for God, that God takes notice of you. So where are some of the areas of giving? I got 20 more minutes. You guys got 20 more minutes? Areas of giving. We could give of our time. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, and boy, the days are evil. Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. The Bible says to redeem the time. To redeem the time. We can give of our good treasure. 
As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, we read it. He says, those who have the ministry of giving, do it with liberality. Do you give the tithe and stop there? Or do you give above? There are a lot of high wage earners in this ministry. But you know who's the biggest giver to this ministry? Is that man right there. In case you didn't know. And I'm just saying he probably didn't want me to say that. But that man right there, he's the biggest contributor to this ministry. Why? Because he's the senior pastor. And I don't know, but I think our elders are right below that. I don't know where I'm at. Probably last. No, but I'm up there too. And many of you are. Many of you have given to this ministry. Many of you have gotten a call when there's a time of crisis or a need and you've given. Many of you guys have never held back. And I'll tell you what, that you are planting into eternity. You're not just giving to the rock. And you're not just giving to Pastor Mike. You are investing in eternity. In eternity. There are benefits of giving. Matthew 6.21 says, that Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The benefits of giving is that God is giving draws us closer to God. Giving draws us closer to God because when you give of your wealth, when you give of your resource, you are saying, Lord God, the treasure is not here. My treasure is up there. And you are investing into your bank account in heaven. You ever talk to people who make investments? Or maybe you go to and say, well, how much capital do you need for this project? They always ask you, well, what's, what's the return? What's the return for my investment? If I'm going to put this money here, what's going to be the return for my investment? What's the return for your investment? Ask yourself that question. Are you more blessed than you were when you received the Lord? Are you more blessed today than when you, when you came to know the Lord? Are your children healthy? Are your children serving the Lord God? Are your children being blessed? How many of you guys have a financial need or you have a miracle? Have you sown into that need? One of the things that we've learned in this ministry is when the devil has taken from you and robbed from you, you don't hold back. You keep giving. You don't say, I'm pulling back. I quit. I'm doing it all for nothing. You, you say, I'm going to keep giving. I'm going to keep giving. I learned that as a teenager. Whenever the devil hits you, you go right back out there and you hit him again. You keep on hitting him. Yeah. I remember the pastors used to say, we lost the guy in the men's home. Now go out to the streets and pass out 500 flyers and bring a few more guys in. I remember when in 2018 when the devil hit us real hard with that accident out of nowhere. Unexpected challenges would come. Unexpected criticisms. And that lady over there, she said, God showed me you have a need. This was in November, I think, 2018 or 2017. She said, God showed me you had a need. She didn't even know. We had paid an attorney, and it was a, I never wrote a check that big in my life. And he said, this is still not enough. He says, I'm giving you a deadline in 30 days. And he says, or else I can't represent. This is a guy who represents federal cases. And we, we did everything that we could do short of selling my soul. Because when you're in desperate needs, you go through desperate, desperate things. And, and this lady said, you know what? It works. It still works. You have a need. You sow a seed. So we wrote a check to this ministry 
And, and I think she said, not to your church, not to this church. So I was supposed to be traveling to another ministry to preach when I didn't feel like it. I didn't want to go. As a matter of fact, you know, I, I, I just said, I, don't, I, I shouldn't do it. So we went. And he said, write the check to that ministry. It wasn't much, but it was probably more than they probably make in a month because they're a very small ministry. Selling tamales to make the men's home work and all that stuff. So we gave a gift to that ministry. And within a week or seven days, I don't remember the exact day, she'll remember, but within days, we were getting that money and excess to what we needed. Now we hear ministry and we hear the stories of the church of all the thousands of dollars when we need it and when we need it. God uses so many different people, but the same applies to you. The same applies to you. Now, the reason why I share that story is because God has never changed his principles of giving. If you have a need, you sow into that need. And, and you will reap a harvest. Now, I hate to talk about the TV ministry and all that stuff, but it's a prison ministry. We're reaching prisons today than more than we ever have in the history of our ministry. You know, the seeds of a prison ministry were planted when I was 14 years old, studying the Bible and in, in, incarcerated. While I was studying the Bible in Springer, a correspondence Bible, that's when the seeds of this ministry, I didn't ever remember that. One of my pastor friends of mine, he said, you sown ministry into that ministry, so you don't apologize for the blessing and the reaping of the harvest. You don't apologize. If you sown into that ministry, you're going to reap a harvest it's not by accident it's by your reaping whatever a man sows you shall reap if you sow ministry you're going to reap ministry what is it you always sow to your need you sow to your need there's um always always more to be sown why is the tithe so important you know, God could have said, I want you to give a 20 or I want you to, you know, God could have said, I want you to give this, give the other. But the tithe is a neutral equalizer because the tithe is not equal giving. It's sacrificial giving. Everybody makes a sacrifice to give and God sees us as equal giving. And God will bless you for it. When you say, Lord God, here's my tithe, and then some. And so whatever it is that your need is, you sow into that need. You sow into that need, and God will bring an increase. How many of you guys can say, Lord God, my work belongs to you? In a time when people are losing their jobs, and I know possibly some of you guys have lost hours. We're even contemplating in our own ministry. You know, every time we, we do our payroll, Sometimes it's a step of faith. And just recently, we started sending out a note to our workers, to our employees, saying, may the Lord God bless you, because we want to let them know that they're appreciated, that they are doing the work of the ministry of this church. And it's, so it's on our heart that, you know, God has given us an opportunity to employ people. So we know what it's like to, to not have the resources. 
We know what it's like to, to, to have that threat of, well, we're going to shut you down. You know, a lot of these small businesses that are closing down, they've invested their personal money, their personal retirement, everything that they have, all their inheritance into that business. It might be just a small business, but that's everything to them. And for them to face the threat of being shut down for a violation, it's insane. It's the work of their hand. Some people find their purpose in going to work. Did you guys read the story of that liquor store owner? What was his name? From Saints and Sinners? Dennis? He said, if I don't go to work, he says, I'm just going to fall and die. He made it his goal. How do you know his name? Uh, <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, I don't know even, I can't even see who said that. <laughs> that was worth coming to church. He said, if I don't show up to work, he's told his family, I'll die. Because when people stop working, they die. And boy, wasn't he true. He went to work and he got the virus. But could you imagine he had a purpose to go to work every day? I mean, if a liquor store owner could have a purpose to go to work every day, to be there to supply their need, how much more should the pastor and the preacher say, I got to show up to work. I got to serve. I got to serve. You know, so many times we think of what we can gain, what we can get. My own hands have produced this wealth. How dare the church ask me for it? When you're giving from the work of your hands, you're giving him worship. You're giving him worship. You're giving him worship. I, uh, I read this pretty powerful story about Dr. James Dobson. And Dr. James Dobson had, a, I guess, a family cabin. And he said everybody always hated to go to the family cabin because... We would bring out the games, and he said, I love to play Monopoly. Now, I think I know some of his tricks at playing the game. But Dr. Dobson said I would play my family, and almost towards the end of the night, everybody hated me. Because I owned Parkway and Boardwalk. I earned all the, you could not get around the, the game of Monopoly without owing me something. And, and that's how some of us feel. What am I going to get out of it? What's in it for me? And, and I know some of us have, I wonder why this game never put a local church, a tithe. You know, the Monopoly don't lie. You know, they don't pass a little card and say it's a bond. They say, no, it's a tax. It's a luxury tax. But he said, God showed me that so many of us, we, we are like that board game and we, we are collecting all this wealth and all this, you know, landscape and all this territory and all this property and taking from people and enriching ourselves. But at the end of the night, when everybody was upset at me and I had won the game and felt so thrilled, he said, I had to put it all back up in the box. And he says, in the end, every one of us are going to have to put it in the box and we are not taking anything with us. So on your monopoly, is there a little church there, a steeple that you got to give to? Aren't you grateful for a church 
that has met the needs of this community far and above, even what people think and expect of us. People, and I got to say, people don't expect much of us because they think they know the finances of this ministry. How many of you guys know that my father owns a cattle on a thousand hill? Don't ever limit yourself and stop limiting this ministry. This is your ministry. This is your church. It's not their ministry or the pastor's church. This is my church. This is my house. This is where I come through. And yes, this person, my barber gets some of my money. You know, my, well, he ain't for the next four weeks. My beautician gets some of my money because I got to look good. I got to look my best. But how many of you guys know that the church, also needs portion of it. The, the church needs, and you guys have blessed this ministry. And we're not preaching these sermons out of necessity or out of lack or out of need. But God will allow you to reap a harvest of souls. So do not become weary and give up. And let's go to Hebrews chapter 6. I got one more illustration. In Hebrews chapter 6, we read it last, last week. It says, but beloved, we are. He says, but beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Things that accompany your salvation. And then in verse 10, he says, for God is not unjust to forget your work and your labor of love which you have shown towards his name, in that you have ministered to his saints and do minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Notice that. And imitate those who through faith and patience have inherited the promise. The Bible says that we ought to imitate those who through faith have diligently given, have diligently served. The Bible says, let us not become slack. See to it that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now there's a lot of impatience today. But I tell you one thing, that if you keep serving, if you keep showing up, eventually you will inherit the promises of God. You will inherit the blessings of God. They will come and they will overtake you. But if you hold back, if you decide to say, hey, you know what, that's not for me, God will find another person. God will find another person. He can use me or he could use someone else. And that's not to say, well, uh, I've given enough. No, God always wants you to be tested and be eager to give. You know, there was a man in the Bible that should have been the great, great, great grandfather of Jesus Christ, but he wasn't because he held back. And I'm going to close with this story. Believe it or not, I'm almost done. In the book of Ruth, it's a powerful story. I think I mentioned part of it before. When they had nothing, she had no one. She was nobody. She was an outsider. God said, I'm going to make you an insider. I want you to go to the field of Boaz, and I want you to glean from his harvest, and you are going to find favor in the eyes of Boaz. And the Bible says she went out there, and she picked scraps. And out of the scraps, she had so much that Naomi says, where have you been gleaning today? Because wherever you picked, someone took notice of you. How many of you guys remember favor ain't fair? But in, but it, but in uh, 
chapter 4. Boaz had a, a relative. Notice he, he, had a, he, has, he had a closer competitor to her. And he says, well, she's not really mine. Because in the Old Testament, you got to understand that if, if you died and you left your wife a widow, your brother had to marry, the closest relative basically had to marry the widow so that way your seed would not be lost. See how poor it is to God? And the Bible says, now, now Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there, and behold, the closer relative of whom Boaz had spoken came by. And so Boaz said, come aside, my friend, sit down here. And so he came aside and sat down, and he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here with me. He's establishing a witness. So they sat down. Then he said to the closer relative, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, sold the piece of land which belonged to our brother Eli Malek. And I thought to inform you, saying, she's mine, she's not really yours, but if you don't want her, I'll have her, is what he's saying. Buy it back in the presence of the inhabitants and of the elders of my people. Notice as he says, if you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not redeem it, then tell me that I may know. For there is one but you to redeem it, and I am next after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Stop right there. He said, I will redeem it for myself. But then Boaz said, wait a minute. Something else comes with the land. There's a girl by the name of Ruth, but she's a Moabite. And he said, oh, wait, we don't intermarry with Moabites, right? Because Allah said, don't intermarry with the Moabites. So then go on, what is it, verse 9, the next couple of verses? So he says, no, I won't do it. Verse 5, on the day that you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also buy it from Ruth the Moabites, the wife of the dead, to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance. And the close relative said, notice he was a lot closer, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I ruin my own inheritance. You redeem my right of redemption for yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging to conform anything or confirm anything. One man took off his sandal and gave it to the other and this was a confirmation in Israel. It was an oath. It was a covenant. Did you guys ever see President George W. Bush, his last visit to Iraq, and that man threw the sandal at him? That's all some of us are going to get is a chancla. Because you said, I'm not going to, uh, no, I can't. I, I, don't wanna, I don't want to ruin my own inheritance, so I'm not going to take her and take the property. And what a dummy, because the Bible says that Boaz gave birth. Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of David. And the Bible says that Jesus was from the seed of David. There's a guy up there in heaven holding on to a chancla because he would not give and redeem it for himself. So I'm telling you, the Bible says to make the most out of every opportunity and redeem of the time. Redeem the time. What is in your redemption? I'm not going to redeem it. Now thank you, Jesus, that he's become our redeemer. He is our kingsman redeemer. He has purchased us. He has given so much and above of himself. He didn't hold back that he gave everything 
I don't know about you, but I desire spiritual gifts, but especially. Now, some of us may not have the gift of prophecy. Some of us may not have the gift of teaching. We might not have the gift of serving. We may not have the gift of this or the gift of that. But what do you do have? Excel in it. And contributing to the needs of the saints is just a small portion of it. Preaching, just a small portion of it. But we are all living stones, First Peter said. And every one of us is building up a house for his honor and for his glory. Would you stand to your feet?